Welcome, friends, to my lovely, crazy life. I'm your host, Amanda Preston. I'm a mom of eight talking about adoption, foster care, and special needs. Join me each week as we dive into the messy, fill up your cup, and refresh your soul. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, The Comparison Game, a different type of parenting. We are talking about just how different parenting can be when you are parenting through adoption and foster care. And this also applies to special needs because really that's one of the key factors that makes uh, our parenting journey so different. And we're going to be talking to Kyle Rainey and just talking a bit about how it affects us as parents and kids when we start to compare ourselves to others. And we live in a day and age when comparison happens with everyone. I mean, we've got Instagram feeds, we've got Facebook, other social media, where we're constantly seeing this highlight reel of what other people's lives are like. But on top of that, even within the adoption community, we're seeing people compare and contrast while they've gotten to this point or they're already attached to that child. So we're going to talk a lot about that because we want people to know that, first of all, we're all different. We're all on our own journey. We all have our own kids with their own unique needs. So we don't need to be comparing to one another. But beyond that, that they're probably all living the same crazy life that you're living and experiencing a lot of the same crazy things that you're experiencing but it's just not talked about. It's not always in the public eye. People aren't always telling you everything that's going on that's hard or crazy or or something that is just downright exhausting or, or trying. We often are only talking about some of these positive things. So we want to share today just what that looks like and how we can get out of that comparison game because it's not ideal. It's not healthy for anyone and that we're all on our own unique journey. And I do want to make a note, this has happened more times than I care to admit, but we did have technical difficulties today and one of the microphones was not plugged in. So the silly computer mic, unfortunately, is what we have. So the sound quality is terrible. Um, this has happened a couple times, not because I didn't plug it in today. A hundred percent is because I didn't plug it in. So please forgive me, um, but I just didn't want to miss out because what Kyle had to share was so important. So I figured people would rather listen to the poor quality sound, but a really great message than me not post this episode. This is my first podcast. And as I'm going along in this first season, I'm learning a lot because tech abilities is not my strong point. So please forgive that. And as we continue on in this podcast, I promise I will learn some of these things and it, they will only get better. The sound quality will get better. I promise. I do apologize. So I hope you enjoy uh, just the message today though, because it's a really important one. And I think something that a lot of people need to hear. Hi, Kyle. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Amanda. Just uh, really excited to be on today. Well, can you start? Uh, we're talking today about a different type of parenting and kind of gearing it towards just how we compare ourselves to other parents. So before we get into that, can you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are and how you're related to the adoption, foster care, or special needs world? Sure. So my wife, Cassie, and I, we live in Oregon, and we have nine kiddos. Three of those are adopted. And we actually, when we first got married 16 years ago, we had talked about adoption for a long time. We, we, we met in Texas, and we found our way up to the Northwest eventually. And we just kept having babies. We just kept having kids. Like, <laughs> like every time we're like, we can adopt. Let's, let's go for that. And then it's like, oh, here comes another kid. So when we finally figured out how that all happens... We got, we were here in Oregon and um, I'm a pastor. Uh, I've been pastoring for about 15 years. I actually just recently uh, announced my retirement from pastoral ministry. My wife and I, uh, she runs a business and uh, speaks and does all that fun stuff. And so that's what we're kind of doing full time now. And, um, but uh, we were up in Oregon, I was pastoring a church and we actually 
Uh, so we had four kiddos at the time and my wife's kind of, she kind of bait and switched me. <laughs> she said, Hey, um, I know we're not ready to adopt yet because you know, financially, or it's just not the right timing or all the excuses you give, you know, she said, but there's a hosting program. And I was like, what's a hosting program? And she's like, well, it's where this little boy from China is going to come over to our house and spend all summer with us. And we're going to take him to theme parks. We're going to get him some dental care, some medical care, all this stuff. And he's really cute. He's nine years old. You're going to love him. And I've already signed up for it. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's coming. So <laughs> so he actually got, so our, our, who would eventually be our son, Ezra, came and we hosted him for 30 days. And it's funny because we were supposed to, take him around to all these different families who are interested in adopting, who can adopt at that time. So we're terrible hosts because he never got to those meetings because we were like around him for two days and we're like, this is our kid. We're going to do whatever we need to do to make this happen. And so um, a year to the date, almost we adopted him. So it was really cool. He went back to China, of course, and that was really hard. But, and so um, he was an older adoption, of course. And so he was nine at the time. And when we went back, we were maybe home a week with him and got a profile for our daughter. And we're like, you want to do this again? And so we did it again. And we went back the following summer while we're there in China Picking up our daughter, she says, I want you to meet my foster brother. Now, it's very interesting. Usually, they come, kids in, in China are um, in orphanages, but she happened to be in a uh, foster care system, uh, like a group home type thing. And so we met her foster brother, who she just was really attached to, had grown up her whole life with, but they're not related. And so I met him, and this little boy comes up, and I said, you know, in my broken, you know, Mandarin, I tried to speak to him. And he's like, Hi, I'm Benny. And I'm like, Oh, you know English. <laughs> How do you know English? And so we started talking a little bit and he's uh, in a wheelchair. He has spina bifida. And we just kind of, I got down on his level and we just started chatting. He's nine years old. And we get back into the taxi to go back to the hotel because um, my daughter had been saying goodbye to everybody. And I start crying and my wife is like, what's wrong? And I said, I think Benny's going to be our son. I think we need to come back next summer. And sure again, there we are the very next summer adopting Benny. So that's kind of how we got into, we, we just, I guess we do everything in bursts. I don't know. We just decided let's, let's do three in a row. Um, and it's funny on our last adoption with our son, Benny, my wife got pregnant with our ninth kiddo. So anyway, it was, we, we, we joke and call it twins that we had twins that year because Cassie literally gave birth. And then two weeks later, I'm on a plane to go get Benny. So it was, it was kind of crazy, but anyway, so that's us. We're a, we're a motley crew, a, a moving circus. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how we've, our little story. Great. I feel like you could use uh, the title, My Lovely Crazy Life for your life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> when I see pictures of your family, I'm like, oh, she can relate. She gets it. Once <laughs> yeah. you get into that big family dynamics as well, it's like a whole other ball game. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what. Well, uh, today I think it's such an important topic. I'm so glad that you're going to be talking about it today. And that is looking at how uh, basically we're we're doing a different type of parenting. We have kids, and I've talked about it on some of my other episodes, where we just talk about the fact that a lot of our kids come from hard places. They may have experienced neglect. They may have experienced abuse. You know, they might have attachment issues. They might have trauma. And they might have specific diagnoses, special needs that not um, typical parents might have to deal with. And so because of that, we're often having to parent in very different ways. Um, we do things that other parents don't have to do. We miss out on things that other parents don't have to miss out on. And it's very easy to compare ourselves to how other parents are parenting um, and question ourselves. So can you talk a little bit about how you've experienced that? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think that 
when you get into parenting in general, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, nobody knows what they're doing in parenting. Um, and by experience, and after you have one kid, maybe two, you start kind of getting the hang of it. You remember when you first had that first kiddo and it's just like this precious little doll that you don't want to break. And then by kiddo number four, you're like, oh, they'll be fine. You know, I mean, whatever. And so, but it, it is true. Um, a parenting, adopting, adoptee, adoptee and foster children, kids who come from hard places, kids who have trauma, um, in their lives that is very unique to your typical biological setting is different, but it's, but it's one of those things where in this community, it can be very easy to compare yourself to other people. And I always say that every adoptive kid that, that comes into a family or a foster kid, they are a special needs kid, even if developmentally they may not be, or they're not fit that kind of, uh, historical definition of a special needs child. It's that they're in a very unique special situation where at some point in time, someone of their caregivers has made some, some choices or mistakes or whatever. Um, and they're no longer with them. And so now they're bringing in a whole set of, of different um, uh, experiences, uh, socialization skill, uh, you know, factors that have influenced them. And so now we can't use the same playbook that we actually use with our other kids. And when we first got into adoptive, uh, you know, the orphan care kind of bubble, if you will, a lot of times I feel like parents will not just compare um, because what they'll do is they'll find someone who has a, a child who's similar to their child, like their situation. And they're like, man, they're doing so well. They're doing, you know, I mean, like, what are they doing? What's the six steps they're doing that I needed to have those steps, but there are no pragmatic steps to parenting these kiddos. There, there are absolutely none. And so what, what I like to do is, is look and, and talk to parents who, who struggle, you know, with this idea of comparing. The reality is that your kid is wonderfully and fearfully made for you. Okay. But, and we say that a lot to our children. We said, God's made you in his image. You're fearfully wonderfully made. You're unique. You have the amazing things, but, but so are you as parents. Out of all the kids in the world, out of all the children, you know, you were designed to be their parents. You were fearfully and wonderfully made to be their parents. If it's in foster care for a season or it's through a situation where it's long-term in adoption, you were built to be their parents. And so we trust that. We trust that that going into it. And I find a lot of times like, you know, you and I both are on Instagram and you know, you have these Instagram influencers. I mean, I love Instagram because that's how my wife and I literally make a living. It's through these social media outlets. But we see the highlights of these, you know, these parents and you have this adoptive mom of, of 32, you know, and she's like, hashtag blessed. Everybody's great. And they're all looking at the camera. They all look, you know, they're all dressed in their old Navy outfits, you know, and, and everybody's like coordinated and they're seeing. But what people don't see and what, what we know, if, if and if you've ever taken your children, to do a family portrait, you know that the photographer is taking the highlights, the good shots. Behind every family portrait with children is the screaming and the yelling and to, it's the irony of yelling at your children saying, look happy. You know, that, I mean, that's that's where we're at, right? That's and, and that's really a reflection of life. I mean, like you cannot just take the highlights from people because behind every wonderful moment, like every wonderful picture, there is sometimes chaos. There's sometimes things going on. And especially, I mean, I don't know, uh, when we first got to adoption, we began to talk about homeschooling because we had homeschooled our kids beforehand. And, you know, we were like, okay, okay, we can do this. And then our son came home and he doesn't have any English. And we're like, we can't do this. You know, and there was a guilt there, you know, like, oh my goodness, like I felt like we were supposed to homeschool, but now, and we put all the kids in public school, or I mean, excuse me, private school. 
And I would look at social media and I'd see these other parents, these adoptive parents, and they're like, you know, homeschooling their kids. They're out at the science museum and, and learning about, you know, molecular biology at five, you know, or whatever. And they're making some amazing art piece. They're making Eiffel towers out of toothpicks or something. And all my kids are doing is coming home and playing Fortnite. I mean, like, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at, you know, but you can't compare that because that's their journey. This is your journey. And I think one of the most comforting things I think we can do as parents is realize that it's not about comparing our kids to other kids or our parenting skills, other parenting skills, just knowing and understanding and resting that we are fearfully and wonderfully made to be our parent, our, our, the parents to our kids. I think that's great advice. And I think it's interesting that you're bringing in both aspects. So, um, you know, a lot of us start to compare ourselves with people who aren't on this adoption, foster care, special needs journey. But the fact that many people are comparing themselves to those that are, that's such an important reminder that even within our own community, things are so different. So I, I totally appreciate that. And I think it's hilarious that you bring up the Instagram photo piece. I know we were just talking about earlier, you know, how my kids were all looking at the camera and it's because we 100% said, if you smile and take these photos nicely, you will all get Slurpees afterwards. Sure. <laughs> so they don't know it at the time. But yeah, we had all the screaming and craziness going on behind the scenes, but uh, I believe bribery is a completely legitimate parenting skill. I, I completely believe that's a legitimate parenting skill. <laughs> but it's an important reminder to to let people know, you know, what's going on behind the behind the screens. So, what are some of the common parenting aspects you find yourself or others comparing themselves with? Um, I know you mentioned the homeschooling piece, but are there some other sure. more common ones? You know, um, there is, and 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 I will say this, um, I. God has blessed me and allowed me and afforded me the opportunity to go and talk in front of different adopt and adopt, adoptee and adoptive parents and foster parents and conferences and groups and everything. And out of all the times that I've done it, there's still always that tinge of, of regret. So our, our story, you know, two of our kids uh, are both our boys attached really well. And, you know, I can't, it's hard to imagine a day they were not part of our family. I mean, it's just, it was one of those things. And, and look, there were struggles. I mean, there were, there were plenty of struggles along the way, but they over time began to attach. Our daughter never did. She has re- reactive attachment disorder. Um, she has uh, cerebral palsy. She has, a, I mean, a, a laundry list of things going on. And her childhood growing up is documentary worthy. I mean, like it's it, it was horrific, right? And so when she brought all of that trauma into our home and the lack of attachment, the reactive attachment, um, she there was just a host of things that were happening with her that we ended up having to, for her safety, for the safety of our other kids, um, had to go to a, um, a group therapy home. So she lives an hour and a half from us. We see her all the time. We talk to her every day. Um, she's thriving. We're thriving. We've been doing this for a year now. And it's funny, I'll ask her like, Hey, you ever think about coming home? And she's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to come home at all. Okay, great. You know, well, parents of the year. And it, that's not how we saw we didn't see that. That's not how we felt like God was calling us to parent our, our child, but, but that's what we're doing. And so whenever I go to these events and I meet someone who's adopted a child from uh, our region, from, from, from China, and particularly if it's a female and I meet their kid and they're thriving and doing well in part of the home or out of the home with their adult, man, I just, 
it, I just go right back to like, oh, if I was a better parent, oh, I must have failed her here. Oh, if we would have just done this. And you have that regret. And so I, I think that's one of the areas too, particularly with adoption, uh, the adoption community, is that when you have similar stories with uh, these adoptive kids, you begin to compare notes. Or you look at someone who's reading this book or that book, and you haven't read that, but you never even heard of that book. You haven't heard of that therapy. What are you talking about? Oh, that was 20 years ago. Oh my goodness. Like, you know, and so it's kind of like, you don't feel like you're giving the best, your, your kid the best chance, but you really are. So that that's one area. And when it comes outside of that community, I think some of the areas that we look at too, becomes kind of those creature comforts that our children who are biological, who usually give us that we can't seem to find with our adoptive foster kids. So for instance, um, I think a lot of times, you know, church can be a hostile place for adoptive parents and foster parents. I know a lot of people have church hurt because, you know, their kiddo is coming into an environment that they have never been involved in and expected to sit down and listen to a Sunday school lesson for 30 minutes without any type of trouble, you know, and that's just not reality because they, they, you know, that's not their reality. And so I think we begin to compare then behavioral things. We begin to compare just the normal aspects of our rhythms of our lives. And why do these other people seem to have their kids in these normal rhythms? And our kid cannot get into that well, it's not the kid's fault. It must be me. It must be my parenting. It must be. And we completely dismiss the idea that they have unique qualities and they come from unique circumstances and, and need a different roadmap. You know, honestly, they just need a different roadmap. There was a story. Do you have, if, if I can just indulge in a story real quick, it's a great story. Um, so when we went to go, uh, the second time to get our daughter, I took our first adoptive son with us so he could go back to his orphanage and say hello to all his buddies. It's been a year and it was kind of closure for him and it was good, you know, so we went and did that. It was a great time. And yet he'd been with us for a whole year, a whole year. And my mom, I mean, I mean, excuse me, my wife's mom, I'm not mom, my wife's mom, I'm dad, you know, and, and we've attached, you know, at least as much as you can for a year. You know, I think it was a really healthy attachment. We're sitting in the Starbucks in the middle of random Providence in China. He wanted a hot chocolate. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Didn't really think he needed a hot chocolate at that time. So I said the infamous words, no. No, 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 you can't. Okay. The screaming, the yelling, the meltdown was of epic Armageddon, you know, uh, levels. I mean, it was just, and here's the thing. We're in a foreign country. We have a child who's Chinese amongst a whole citizenship of Chinese people. And we're these Americans who have no idea how to communicate with anybody around us, except for order our coffee, apparently, you know, and so authorities start coming into the Starbucks start looking at us, start watching us. And so all I, and I was just going, oh my goodness. So we finally calmed me down. We walked across the street back to our hotel. We walk into this hotel where a lot of adoptive parents are at. If you go to China, it's kind of an infamous hotel that you all stay at. And so as I'm walking through the lobby, I'm seeing all these other kids, all these other parents, and their kids are just happy. Everything's great. And here's my kid just looks like he's just been in war. I mean, like his eyes are flushed. He's got you know, red streaks and no hot chocolate to speak of. He almost got deported out of our family. I mean, all these things, you know, and I just sat there and I'm like, it's been a year. How in the world are you not at this place where, where, where all these other kids are at? And I realized at that moment that I was putting so much unhealthy expectations on my kiddo. You know, I was, there's so much unhealthy expectation because I was comparing him. See, we, we tend to compare ourselves to other parents, but sometimes we compare our kids to other kids and how dangerous that is to do, to compare our child. Why aren't you, you know, and some of us grew up in a conditional home where, you know, you perform, we love you. If you don't, you're not really that great. And 
our kids have not been wanted their entire lives. They've been neglected their entire lives, have trauma for that. But here we are putting them in a very similar situation of comparison. And so if we don't get a hold of our comparison and with other parents, then it will transfer to also to our kiddos. I'm like, why, why you've been here a year. Why aren't you active? You know, you should know how to act by now. And so I think it's just a dangerous slippery slope to, to get into. So I think that, you know, to answer your question, like we, we have these little areas of parenting, like schooling and behavioral things and all this stuff that we talk about as parents, whether it be other adoptive parents or foster parents, or just people who are outside of that community and just, you know, parenting, typically developing children. But also we tend to do that with our kids too. And it's almost like a defense mechanism to kind of justify our parenting or lack of there. And, um, and it's not fair. It's not healthy for anybody. So I would just caution people, you know, when you're getting into this or if you're in the middle of this and you find yourselves in this comparison game, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's an, an illness that can really turn into a disease and it spreads to your kids. That's such an important reminder. And, you know, I think we all get in our heads and start comparing and yeah, it, it is just our, our own parenting abilities, but our kids. And so it's, I think it's really important to bring that back and remind ourselves about that. So we don't get too far down that, down that hole. So when you do find yourself in it, you know, what do you do to ground yourself when you find yourself in this comparison game? Yeah. Um, you know, whenever, you know, Cassie and I get into that mode and I can always tell when we're getting into that mode because we tend to get a little bit more defensive towards each other. We're, we're not as patient with one another. Um, we begin to get off track um, because, you know, and we'll say things like, well, you know, the Smiths, did you see them at church? Do you see how great they're doing? You know, and we begin to ask questions about, um, you know, are, are we really equipped to do this? Do we really have it in us? Is it ever going to get better? Are we ever going to get out of this season? And when we get to that point, which, which is not healthy for anybody in the family, when we get to that point, I think one of the things that we like to do is that we remind ourselves who we are. And what I mean by that, and I know that not everybody listens to this as a person of faith, and I understand that. Um, we are. We're, we're people of faith. We, we, we believe that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And when we get to that point, we have to remind ourselves that our first title is not parent. Our first title is son and daughter. You know, in Romans 8, it says we've been adopted by Christ. So we too are adoptees in a sense, spiritually speaking. And so when we begin to compare, we try to then perform, right? We want to perform for everybody. We want to meet everyone's expectations. Of course, everybody's got that parent or got that family member who has all the expertise on your adoptive foster kid, right? You just got to hug them more. Oh, brilliant. I never thought about that. Oh, we should just hug them more. Or have you tried this method? I heard it work for my great aunt Susie, who is like second cousin dog's relative, you know, whatever. And like, thanks. Never even thought about that, you know, but everybody gives you that unsolicited advice, but you begin to try to be all things to all people. You begin to try to compare yourself. You begin to go. And, and when you try to be all things, to all people, then you tend to be nothing to anyone. <laughs> I mean, cause you don't have anything left. So we remind ourselves that we are heirs. We are sons and daughters, of most high God. And that out of all the kids in the world, out of all the families that could have been chosen, out of all the, the quirks of our family, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful rhythms, whatever it is, we were brought together, not by our um, doing, but by a, a, a higher power has brought us together. And because of that, we feel like we're going to get equipped to be able to take on anything that comes down the pike for us. Believe me, I remember dropping my daughter off at her group home and I rode back and it was an hour and a half drive for us back home. And my wife and I, we just cried 
we just wept the whole way and we were regretting we were guilty felt guilty we felt like you know this is not how it was supposed to go we had this brady bunch mentality because we had such success with our other boys and we just knew you know that this was this is basically going to be but then we remind ourselves it was really cool as we're driving back and we're kind of getting that self-pity thing that regret thing something was really cool we, we decided to instead of just sitting there in that moment we're going to lean into the lord we're going to lean into god and ask him to just kind of help us allow us to understand why this is happening and so not a couple of weeks later do we get a phone call from the uh, group home director in china that our daughter lived at great lady great wonderful gal um she lived there for a year was the most healthiest year of her time in china she called us and she said i hate to tell you please pray for us the chinese government shut us down all of our kids have been put into the orphanage and it's a very infamous and notorious orphanage in china that's known for abuse and neglect and all these things and it just struck me that like if our daughter had not been adopted by us even though we're not parenting her the way we wanted to parent her and things didn't go at all like we expected she would have to be in that orphanage she would age out at 14 she'd be thrown into the streets at 14 and though this may not look like we were supposed to look you know it's supposed to happen this was the lord's will this is this is why we were made to be her parents and so i think there's just a reminder when you get into that mindset that yes you may not look like john and susie and their beautiful family you know and and you may kind of try to buy into the instagram highlights of people around you but in the end you have been wonderfully and fearfully made and there's a there's a sovereign plan for your family and it's hard to trust that especially in the difficult it's easy for you and i to talk about this right now amanda we we both know whenever that foster kid or that adopted kid says i don't love you i don't want to be here i don't want to it's that's when those truths are hard to cling to but they're still there to cling to and that we need to cling to i think also too when we understand the the gravity of what we're embarking upon um i'm not a big fan of foster adoptive parents who have like this you know, hashtag blessed life type mentality and don't reveal the raw and the difficult. And sometimes and early on in the conferences, that's kind of what you got. You got a lot of here's six steps and adoption life is great. And that the gospel is adoption and all those things. And that's one of all, you know, some of that is very true, but they always left out. Oh yeah. And it can suck sometimes. <laughs> this is how it stinks, you know? Right. And so when we get into that, I think instead of taking a step forward, okay, what's the plan? How do we fix this? We actually take a step back and go, okay, who are we? How have we been equipped? Who, what are the promises that have been given to us in our faith by our God? And, that, and that's just helped us. That's for us though. That's good. Such an end. You've given so many good reminders today. <laughs> I can tell you're a pastor with how great all the messages are. <laughs> so um, what are some crazy moments in parenting that you can maybe throw out there in solidarity? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like one thing, like we used to feel really different, um, particularly my husband. When I started connecting to, you know, women groups a lot sooner than he did. And I remember he used to always say things like, like we're the only family that deals with this, like everyone else right. must be so normal. And one of the things is, you know, we've, we've got quite a few kids with FASD and uh, well, I'm almost. And sure. one of the things sure. that we always do is um, they, when they're upset and having tantrums, they kick holes in the wall. So we have a lot of holes in our walls, uh, which can make it interesting when you're trying to sell your house. But um, yeah, that's just one of the things that once I got to know other people, particularly who are on the FASD journey, but even other diagnoses and, and special needs um, 
I, I noticed like, hey, like we aren't alone. We don't need to feel so different. Other people are having the exact same issue. Are there some other things that you can kind of throw out there to just make people know sure. that they're not and crazy? <laughs> well, can I tell you that I've become an expert at fixing drywall. So I get it. <laughs> So I totally get it. Those little patches from Home Depot are incredible. So, um, yeah, yeah, we've we've been there. You know, um, I'm, as I'm sitting here trying to think, um, you know, one of the one of the moments that stick out um, was about a year and a half ago. Um, so I, I, you know, we drive a big twelve passenger van, right? And I decided that it was a great idea to take all my kids to the grocery store. I'm not sure why that idea prompted in my mind. I thought, well, I'll give my wife a break. And so let's go to the grocery store. So we headed to the grocery store. And as we're at the grocery store, two events happened that were that, that, were, that will be in my, my memory forever. After we were there about five or 10 minutes. Now, you, I, I guess I don't understand because I'm, I'm, I'm an insider. But from the outside looking, like, looking in, we present ourselves as quite the monthly crew. And so I've got nine children. One is in a wheelchair. One has dwarfism. One has cerebral palsy, and and, and can tell you know in her in a way she she moves her body. Um, I've got a biological son who has autism, and then I've got this gaggle of other children, right? And so a lady comes up to me and she says, "I think it is so neat that you're bringing your special ed class to a grocery store." And my eyes got so big. I was like. I'm sorry. And then she began to use phrases that I will not use on this podcast, but she just said, you know, um, I, I'm so, it's so neat to see these type of children. And, and she used a very outdated term out in the public. And, you know, you're in that moment, she's 70 years old and I'm in that moment going, do I just smile and nod? Do I just walk away in Jesus's name? Do I just start yelling at her? I mean, what do you do? You know, so I just kind of smiled, nod. I, I took the kids to the next aisle. And in my mind, it was just racing of all things I should have said, should have done. And I know a lot of parents have had these really awkward social interactions with people. Are they all yours? Oh, your hands are full. Oh, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, where are they from? That's, that's my favorite. Where are they from? Well, they're from our home but where are they from, from, you know, that kind of thing. And, or I love, again, another grocery store situation. A lady asked me one time, it's that, you know, they're, they're checking you out and they're scanning your groceries. And they, I feel like they just have to fill that void. So they ask you the dreaded question, how many kids do you have? Cause they see a couple behind me, you know, I have nine. And she's like, why? Like, usually it's like, Oh, that's great. Or, Oh my goodness. You know, or surprise or shock. Not her. She just said, Why? And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, why would you do that? <laughs> and I said, well, um, you know, uh, you know, some of them are biological. We've adopted a few. And I thought that would resolve the issue. I thought, well, you know, she'll think we're just such noble people, right? And she goes, man, that's just too crowded for me. Like, I wouldn't do that. And, and she's just, just, just as plain as can be. You know, and also in a, in a store one time, like, we've had, we've had the announcement, um, you know, uh, is there a Kyle Rainey here? We've got three of your children, you know, that type of thing who had just ran off, you know, or whatever. And so, you know, those are some of the funny moments I think that we experience. Plus our, we've had quite a few adventures in China with, with, um, our special needs kiddos. Um, the, the environment there is not always, um, adequately built. The cities aren't always adequately built for our children. So I have found myself carrying my son in his wheelchair up six flights of stairs to get to a subway. I mean, it's just been, you know, the things you do, you know, but, uh, 
but anyway, they should have handed out medals. I'm pretty sure. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think there's been a handful. That's the only ones I can think of right now, but there's been a handful of really kind of funny moments that, but I've talked to so many adoptive and foster parents who are like, Oh yes. Or the, the dreaded IEP meetings, you know, with your, with your, with your, with your school. And, you know, the teacher looks at them and says, well, here's the plan. And you're like, you don't understand. I've told you 30,000 times they cannot be around sharp objects, you know, that type of thing. And so, but they just like, Oh, well, they'll grow out of it. No, they won't. And so, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of teachers love us. They absolutely love Wi-Fi. So, but, uh, we try not to be those parents, but sometimes we become those parents. But anyway, yeah. So there's some there's some highlights of our of our of our of our life. <laughs> no, that's that's great. And yeah, the IEP one itself is just good to remind people that. <laughs> so my last question then is just: Do you have any um, lasting advice or wisdom you want to impart on people who are struggling with the comparing game? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would say that if someone's listening to this. Um, podcast and they haven't yet gone into the orphan care realm. I would say that the, the best thing you can do to prepare yourself is to absolutely obliterate any expectations you may have how this is going to go. <laughs> you know, and it's not that you come in with blinders, but I don't think you can need to come in with these expectations. And, and again, I think it's pretty known that we're not supposed to have the savior mentality. We're not heroes. We're not here to, you know, and, and it's nothing like that. But I, but I think if you come in with just a realistic expectation that this this is going to go, you know, this is going to go, uh, some of this is going to go well, some of this isn't. Uh, we are called to do this. We are called to do this. And I would take that same advice for people who are in the middle of it all too as well. When people who, uh, parents who are of adoptive foster children, and they get into that comparison game, you know, as we've kind of mentioned, but but I will just reiterate really quickly, when you get into that comparison game, it really devalues you as parents, but it also devalues your kiddos and that they are not made in this mold that society has made for all the other children. You know, it's the American dream, right? We're supposed to, you know, get our education, get married, have kids, have a career, and then retire to Florida and come, you know, complain about the weather. That's what we're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden along your journey, you're like, what do you mean? You know, I'm being called to love these kids who are not a part of my family right now who have been a part of traumatic historical um, events in their lives. And so we bring them on into our house and then we begin to peer. I, I, it's funny. I'm, I mean, even, even today, I mean, as I'm looking at your pictures, I'm like, Oh man, they're all facing the same way. I wish my kids would do that. And that's a small thing, you know, that's a small thing, but it's still a comparison thing. It's still one of those things that we try to, and it's, what's really fun. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to go another level of crude. I don't need to be crude here, but just realize too, when you look at those Instagram photos, most of the time, those people are posting it while they're in the toilet. I'm just saying that, like, I mean, that's where they're, that's where that space is. They're all right there. So, I mean, just, just know that everyone are normal people and we all like to post our little Instagram highlights and everything like that. But I think when we're honest with ourselves, when we're honest with our story and we're honest with the, our struggles and we're authentic and we find community, that's, and, um, and I, we don't have time for this, this is a whole another session, but if you can, how to fight the comparison game is find healthy community. Um, in our city, we have what's called replanted groups and they're literally small groups that are connected to um, a faith-based, Christian faith-based material. They meet once a month. They have events and activities and barbecues. We got three or four groups. There's about, I don't know, 10 parents in each group. I've had people call me 
and just say, man, I, I just don't feel alone anymore. I don't, I'm not crazy. I mean, we are crazy, but we're at least crazy together. You know what I mean? Like, so we're all together in this. And so I would find a community that has a similar heartbeat as yours. Maybe their adoption foster system, uh, care um, uh, journey is different from yours. That's okay. But they have similar experiences or have a similar heart that they just are not to give you all the answers. You know, sometimes you get in these groups and people just want to vomit answers. Oh, well, here's what you should do. Or if you were smart, you should do this. It's not about diagnosing other people and and, and cause it, just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for them. But it's about getting in that community so you can fight the comparison game. So you realize, just like you said, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this stuff happens to other people too. Like, I mean, it really does. And so when you get into those, that healthy community, I think that's a really great way to fight that. And then finally, you know, just a, just a, a reminder that if you think about all the orphans and all the kids who are in need of a forever family right now, in our, just in, just in North America, you know, within Canada and United States, I mean, I know, I don't know what the statistics are lately. I haven't looked at the latest statistics, but I mean, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing how many kids are out there. And yet out of all those kids, the kids in your home found you and you found them. And yes, they are unique. Yes, they have uh, gifts. Yes, they have struggles that are unique to them, but they are made to be in your home for a season or forever. You too are made to care for them. You were given the gifts. You were given the insight, the calling, the patience, the you know, the, the community or whatever, whatever things that you need to be the best parent you can be, you don't have to compare it to other people because you already have it within you. It's just locked there. And sometimes we just have to remind ourselves that we are fearfully, wonderfully made. We are unique creatures that have been crafted together. And of all the kids in the world, these are our kids and this is their journey and we're going to make it, you know, we're going to get there and they are too. So. Oh, thank you so much. That's so encouraging. And I hope it just lifts some people up. Humble to be here, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast this week. Be sure to tune in next week for more exciting episodes and learn more on adoption, foster care, and special needs. And be sure to check us out on social media, Instagram, My Lovely Crazy Life AP, and our website, mylovelycrazylife.com. And please share and help us spread the word of our new podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.